Aleluya. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. So what I'm going to go over today, um, women of God that were here on Friday night. I won't call this part two because I know we were talking about part two on Telegram. This might be a piggyback off of what we left off with on Friday night, but I believe it is for the whole house. Amen. It's for all of us. We got the first fruits of it in the women's gathering, but we're going we're gonna to dig more into uh, this thing called love. Amen. And um, I just pray that everybody's heart and mind be just open. Um, and matter of fact, let me just go ahead and pray and then we'll jump into the word and and jump into what God has. Amen. Father God, we just bless you even now in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you, Lord God, that everything that you desire to do today is already sealed in heaven. We bless you right now in the name of Jesus that every heart, every mind, every spirit is open to receive you, oh God. Not me, but you, oh Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that your word be quick and powerful, whether it be a reminder, whether it be news, whether it be something, oh Lord God, that we might revisit, oh God. I thank you right now in the name of Jesus, oh Lord God, that it touches us in a way that transformation breaks out. Hallelujah. I thank you right now, Lord God, that your word will hover, that it will sit upon our hearts, O Lord God, that we'll continue to feast on it well after we leave this place. I thank you right now in the name of Jesus, O Lord God, that hearts be turned, that there's grace for repentance, O Lord God. Hallelujah. Renewed minds in this place, O Lord God. We understand that as we gather together, it's another opportunity, O Lord God, to become more like you. Hallelujah. So we thank you for this opportunity on this day. Hallelujah, Lord God. Let your word be blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to start off with uh, Matthew 22, 37 through 40. And it's a familiar passage of scripture. Hallelujah. I, uh, God has actually been just, uh, I guess, circling in my spirit uh, this thing about love. And we've been talking about it, just loving the Lord and, 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 and with all of us. And it's kind of a, a leg off of that. Um, but it still kind of ties into what we've been getting here um, already with just loving the Lord. And so um, it's Matthew 22, 37 through 40, and I'll read it in the New King James Version. 37 says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, verse 39, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. Amen. And so we're going to start there. And you can be seated. Hallelujah. We'll just start there. And we're going to break down some things. Um, God kind of had me just do a little bit differently how I usually kind of prepare. Not because of the short notice, apostle. But um, he kind of had me do it this way with the women's gathering as well. So I'm just going to flow as he has me flow. But um, in this scripture, we do see the greatest of all commandments, like the scripture says. You can leave it up there for a little while, um, Junior. Um, the greatest of all commandments, to love the Lord thy God with all. Amen. Um, it's repeated several times in the Bible, the same exact thing. If you look at Mark 12 and 30, you don't have to go there, but it says it as well. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. That's how Mark 12 and 30 says it. If you go to the Old Testament, De Deuteronomy 6 and 5 also says it. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. So clearly, by the word, we know that God does not just want a part of us, 
but he wants all. Everybody say all. All of us. We were created to give him all. We were created to be a people whose love for God engulfs everything that we do. And we know that that kind of love comes from and has already been given to us by the Father himself. This is nothing that we have to try to figure out how to do. He's already given it to us. Amen? We love him because he first loved us. So that's, that's what gives us the ability to love him. We, uh, when we give ourselves, uh, all of ourselves to God, he in return gives all of himself to us. Amen? And God is a big God. Amen? He's a big God, and there's a whole lot more than him than there is us that we give him. Amen? Amen. And so there's a fire that is burning in our midst. It's been burning from some, for some time now, uh, passion for the Lord. There are new fires that are being lit all over the place, new fires in our hearts, just new believers, all of that. And we're seeing all of this. And I bless the Lord for it because it is, it is just, it's an awesome feeling to just walk into a place and you just feel that fire burning. And it makes you, it literally lights you on fire. Hallelujah. Amen. But one thing we can never forget is that we can't love the Lord with all of us, all of this passion, all this fire. God, we love you. We cannot love the Lord with all of us without loving our neighbor. That's the side I want to talk about today. Amen. And so again, in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, we'll stop at 39 this time, and I want to point out something that stuck out to me. Jesus said to him, and I'll read it again, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And verse 39 says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so it points out loving God as the first and great commandment, and then it goes on to the second commandment, but it prefaces that second commandment with something. And I don't know if y'all can see it. I can't see it that screen, but it says, and the second is like it. Verse 39, I'll say it again, says, and the second is like it, meaning the second commandment that it, the scripture talks about is like the first commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now that stuck out to me. Because the passage of Scripture and those that are taught like it, the emphasis is always put on loving God. It's put on loving God, which the Bible says is the first and greatest commandment. So I'm definitely not trying to downplay that at all. But have you ever wondered why the second half of this text is not as emphasized as the first? The Bible clearly states that the second commandment is like the first. So what does that mean? That means that it carries the same level of importance when it comes to living as God has commanded us to live. That's what I want to focus on today. Because there's a purpose to that. There's a reason why God puts those two together. We can love God all day, and I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but we can love God all day with everything in us. But if we don't have love for our neighbor... So the title of my message on Friday was, What's Love Got to Do With It? And I'm going to say that a couple times during this message. But what's love got to do with it? That's a serious question. We talk about love, loving our neighbor. It's like, man, and a lot of people, and you'll hear it. Oh, I love God, but these people get on my nerves. I love God, but I don't deal with them. 
I love God and I love them from a distance. What's love got to do with it? Loving God with all of us is of utmost importance, but there is a reason, again, why God tied that commandment with loving your neighbor. What are the consequences of loving how God commands us to love? What are the consequences of not loving God or loving as God commanded us to love? Now, when we think of consequences, we think of something negative. But consequences, all that means is a result. The result or effect of an action. That could be positive or negative. So what are the consequences? There are positive ramifications of when we obey God in love, but there are also negative ramifications when we don't. One thing that kept ringing in my mind as I was preparing for this and also the women's gathering was ripple effect. Ripple effect. And it tied so much into what we are in right now. So somebody say, what's love got to do with it? (laughs) I'm going to go through several scriptures um, that answer that question. And then we're going to be free today. We're going to be free today. I believe that walls have been erected. I believe that, that there are barriers that have been put up, just protective gates that have been put around us. Um, Listen here, amen, over time, just from different experiences or whatever. And those are going to be torn down today. I think we had a lot torn down, amen. A lot has been torn down in those that, that have been here Friday. But, I, but let's, let, let God continue the work, finish the work, amen, amen. So basically, I'm just going to go through a couple of scriptures here and just break them down and, and let you know what the Lord has spoken to me in them. The first scripture that we can talk about is 1 Peter 4. 7 through 11 in the Passion Translation. And again, we're, we're answering the question, what love got to do with it? And this is foundational. This is basic, I'll say, but it's of utmost importance because without it, we can't do what God called us to do. And we'll see how that all ties in. First Peter 4, 7, Passion Translation, 7 through 11, it says, since we are approaching the end of all things. What's love got to do with it? Well, since we are approaching the end of all things, be intentional, purposeful, and self-controlled so that you can be given to prayer. Verse 8, above all, constantly echo God's intense love for one another. For love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. King James Version says, love covers a multitude of sins. Amen? What's love got to do with it? For love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. Verse 9, be compassionate to foreigners without complaining. Every believer has received grace gifts, so use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. For example, and this is big, if you have a speaking gift, Speak as though God were speaking his words through you. Now, I'm going to pause right there because many people are gifted. And it'll go over a couple of different gifts here, but many people are gifted. And because they're shy, they choose not to speak. What's love got to do with it? When we encounter or when we are interacting with anyone, anytime, at any moment, we have to think of the end of a thing. Because our moments with each other, these brief moments, it doesn't stop there. Remember, ripple effect. So if you have a speaking gift, speak as though God were speaking words through you. I think of a puppet, right? A puppet. And I'm speaking through that puppet. Well, guess what? Without me, 
that puppet will not speak. So I'm to speak as though God is speaking through me. That means I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. And you speak as though God were speaking his words through you. If you have the gift of serving, that could be in any capacity, ministering, uh, ushering, whatever, serving in the community. If you have a gift, because people are gifted to serve. We all are to serve. There's some people that are gifted to serve. If you have the gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength God gives you. That blessed me as well, because many times we try to depend on our own strength. And when we get tired, and, you know, I pulled up the Alkaloo service today, and I was like, I wonder if Apostle's preaching, because he done preached all week. And I saw him up there, and I was like, my God. Hallelujah, it shook something in me, for real. Because I was just like, man, it's been a long weekend. My daughter's sick. It's like, boy, I'm tired. And then I see that. I just pulled it up. I just came across it. That's a blessing. Because he's doing it passionately with the strength God gave him. (laughs) That's how we are to serve. So that, and the reason for that is so that everything that in everything, God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. I blessed the Lord for that when I saw that. That's the purpose of it. So for him belongs the power and the glory forever throughout all ages. Amen. Amen. That's the first scripture here. Again, what's love got to do with it? What is the reason that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves and then love and also love God? That's the first reason. Because it says in this verse, there's a lot of things that love does as we love as God loves. Amen. Now, I'm going to go to James chapter 2, and I want to break down this whole chapter in the NIV version. Because there was a couple of scriptures that really stood out to me, but then it's like, you know, let me read the whole passage. A lot of times, if you're really going to study the word, you need to get the context of what that word is saying, don't just pull out a scripture and try to use it. Amen. And I said, well, you know what? This whole chapter, we need to go over this whole chapter. So I'm going to start, and it's in the NIV version, and what's love got to do with it? What are the ways, and just think as we go through this, what are ways that we are loving as God has commanded us to love? What are ways that we are loving? What are the consequences? I'll put it like that. If we love how he tells us to love, if we don't love how he commands us to love. So James chapter 2, I'll start from verse 1 in the version. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Now, I like how this version puts the scripture. Favoritism, that's, that's something small, right? <laughs> Must not show favoritism. Now, and one thing I pointed out to the women was, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord, these are not people outside of the church. He's talking to the church. So it says in verse 2, suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, Here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Let's skip down to verse 8. 
And it says, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, again, here it is, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Now, of course, in this passage, it's talking about treating a rich man and a poor man differently, but favoritism can be shown anywhere. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point of, uh, uh, of just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he said, you shall not commit adultery. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy shall be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, this next half of the chapter kind of goes along with an illustration that I did um, at the women's gathering, but I'll go into it. So what good is it, my brothers and my sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or, or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. The illustration that I showed was, and real quick, it was um, two, uh, well, it was... Um, a visitor, let me see, it was a, it was two members, two members that were good, good, good friends, and it was another member that wasn't in the clique, I'll put it like that, right, and before, it was before service, the two members are talking, just having a good time, chatting it up, and the other member comes in, getting ready for service, and you know how we do, hey, how you doing, hey, how you doing, get a little church hug, right, and we say how you doing, but we really don't expect the response, and so, you said, how you doing? So she gives her response. And she says, well, you know what? I'm just, you know, I've been, I've been kind of heavy lately. I've been a little stressed out. You know, I just came to give it all to the Lord today. I'm ready to bless the Lord. You know, but it's just been real hard. I got I'm a single parent. I got three kids. You know, and they've just been real, real crazy lately. And I really just need y'all prayers. And the two good friends, they're like, oh, of course, of course, we'll pray for you. Bless the Lord. God's got you. Sends her on her way. And she's like, okay, they're going to pray for me, they, you know church members. And so then a third person, part of their clique comes up from the other end, and they're all excited. Hey, hey, girl, how you doing? Hey, hey, we're going through uh, uh, this situation here. And so they, um, they're saying, hey, we went out last night. We missed you. You know, where were you at? And so this third friend is like, oh, man, you know, I just wasn't feeling too well. I've been having pains in my body. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to catch y'all next time, but I got a doctor's appointment tomorrow, so I'm going to see what they say. She doesn't ask for prayer, but those two friends are like, oh, hold on, stop the press. We got to pray now. The Lord is moving, and he's going to do it. Let's pray now. And they begin to call down fire right there at that moment. <laughs> the first and the second half of this passage is shown in that illustration because, for one, that's favoritism, right? And number two, we just told the first girl to go be well, be fed. Send her on her way, but we've done nothing to help. 
again, we're talking about love. What's love got to do with it? Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind because I'm going somewhere. So verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Now, this is a big part, too, because we believe that our belief in God and our faith in God is all that matters, right? You believe, this is verse 19, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. I remember a message that Apostle preached years ago about this same thing, and it was a faith, there's a faith that's unto salvation, and there's a faith that's not unto salvation. And he pointed out how the demons have faith. They probably believe God more than many of the church people, but it can't save them. They don't have a faith unto salvation. So it's great that you believe God. It's great that you bless God. It's great that you're on fire for God. But it doesn't mean anything, right? If that's all that it is. Because the demons believe too. It says, uh, verse 20, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Again, what's love got to do with it? So in the same way, oh, and I won't read that part, but I'll I'll skip to 26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds or faith without works is dead. We're going over some scenarios here. And then we're going to bring it on home because there's a point to all of this. Let's look at John chapter 13, verse 33 through 35. It's St. John. And this is a scripture where we're going to start to turn and really talk about the point of all of all of this and why this is important. Um, Yeah, I'll do the King James Version first, I'm sorry, and then the Passion Translation. John 13, 33 through 35. John 13, 33 through 35. So this is where, of course, the beginning of the scenario when Jesus was going to be crucified. And he goes in and he says, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved, that you also love one another. Key verse, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Somebody say, what's love got to do with it? Please stick with me. Please stick with me. You can go to the Passion Translation, because I like how it words this, from verse 33. 
My dear friends, I only have a brief time left to be with you, and then you will search and long for me. But I tell you what I told the Jewish leaders. You'll not be able to come where I am. So I give you now a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. Why is this important? Why is this important? We are in revival right now, right? We are in revival. We're talking about reviving our families, revival in our hearts, revival in our cities, revival in our churches, on fire for God. We're doing this and we're doing this and we want to spread the gospel. But guess what? They're going to know Jesus by how we love one another. What does love have to do with it? Love has everything to do with it. Love has everything to do with it. And it's going to really, really break it down in the next scripture. But I really want to pause there for a second because think about where we're at right now. We've been to revival services. We, we, we are, are experiencing a move of God in this place. And we cannot forget and we cannot get too excited and we cannot disconnect that from our love for one another. We cannot bless the Lord in here. And it's great to grow in Christ, but we have to understand there's another side to the story. We don't come in here to, uh, to, um, to what was the word I used? To um, deal with our fellow church members because we have to. Tolerate was the word that I used. We come in and we tolerate people because we have to. We love some, but then we tolerate some. We'll go beyond certain limits, but but... For some people, but for other people, because they hurt me, we stop at a certain place. Past hurts, past situations, past circumstances have caused us to put walls up that only allows us to love to a certain distance, and then we stop. We got love with limits. Not that we don't have love, but we have love with limits. But guess what? Jesus didn't love us that way, and he said, if you love with the same love I have for you, Jesus died for us, the very ones that killed him. He didn't say, well, they did this, they lied on me, they betrayed me, all this other stuff, so I'm going to go about my business. No. He was vulnerable, the most vulnerable. There's a love that we are to enter into that goes beyond those limits and those walls that we have put up because of betrayal, because of lies, because of whatever may have happened that we may have been offended about. And we have to love beyond those things. There's a, there's a, there's a place in worship that we can get to if we really are vulnerable again. We have to become vulnerable again to one another. And that, those are the greatest places where God is able to move in our hearts. You wonder why you're hitting a ceiling. I want to go deeper. I want to go higher. I want to go further. But there's a ceiling that you're hitting because I've closed myself off. Because I don't want to be hurt again. They know that they're acting like that. There's something that God has just been showing me over the past several months of just, uh, 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 and the scripture is, uh, uh, let good, overcome good with, uh, overcome evil with good right? Overcoming evil with good. So a lot of times it's like, well, they do me like this and I already know how they're going to act. So I'm just going to respond this way. And like I said on Friday night, I'm a match energy. I'm a match energy. How they do me, I'm going to do them like that. How they treat me, I'm going to treat them like that. How they walk, I'm going to walk. I'm a match energy. And the, the church has coined this worldly term as if that's something that we need to be shouting. But the Bible says, love those that hate you. 
Pray for those that despitefully use you. The opposite of everything that's being infiltrated in the church. Now, we're tearing down these walls now. Amen? We're tearing down these walls, and I don't want you guys to be on edge. But be open to what God is speaking. Because if we're ever going to move to that place where if, if, if I speak, you know, we can wonder, like I said, that ceiling that we're hitting. Okay, well, I prayed for them, but nothing is changing. Well, well, I laid hands on them, but nothing is changing. Well, I prophesied, but I didn't see it come to pass. Well, what could be missing? What's love got to do with it? And all it takes is just a, another level of knowing the love of God. Understanding the love of God, understanding loving beyond limits. I, there is a love, it says, covers a multitude of sins. So if a nasty person is coming at me, a nasty person is, is, is I mean, every time I come into contact with them, they just got an attitude. They this, they this, they this. Guess what? My, the love of God in me can cover that. That's real love for my brother and sister. Not, okay, well, I'll just keep my distance. Oh, I'll pray for them from far. No, no, no. I'm going to make sure I give you a big old hug. I'm going to make sure I speak to you. I'm going to make sure I call you. I'm going to make sure that I pull myself outside of my flesh that may want to stand back because the enemy is all in that. And he understands that when we get love for our neighbor right, oh, they just focused on loving God. That's okay. I can go ahead and cause division within the people. And they still will see no power. When the enemy understands that there is the love for my neighbor that's going to cause uh, uh, outbreaks of God's power to continue to move, then that's why he starts doing all these little things, and we take the bait every time. But we're not going to do that no more. Amen? We're not going to do that anymore. Hallelujah. We got to move beyond that. Hallelujah. I'm going to be vulnerable again. Hallelujah. And guess what that means? If my prayer now is to grow in the love of God, guess what that means? That I'm going to be betrayed again. I'm going to be lied on again. I'm going to be hurt again. And guess what? God is going to sit there and look and say, are you going to close yourself up back up? Are you going to close yourself? Because if you close yourself from that interaction, you're going to close yourself from being able to release life in this situation. What's love got to do with it? Everything that God has commissioned us to do, love has got everything to do with it. Hallelujah. And we have to come to a place where I am loving beyond my limits, beyond my boundaries, beyond my hurt, beyond my pain. True love for my brother and for my sister. And that doesn't just mean y'all in here, but that means the strangers on the street, the people at the store, the drivers that cut us off while we're driving, all of that. I'm releasing that love, growing in that love. Hallelujah. The last scripture that I want to touch on is one of my favorite scriptures, like I mentioned, 1 Corinthians 13, in the Passion Translation, of course. And I'm almost done. but I want to dissect this. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 11. We'll look at that in the Passion Translation. Because this is really big because many times we can be deceived by what God has gifted us with. We can be deceived by the anointing that God has placed on our life. We can be, we can be uh, distracted by all of that. And this breaks it down. What does love got to do with it? Verse 1, if I were to speak 
with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels. Yet I didn't express myself with love. My words would be reduced. Everybody say reduced. Reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. Now, in this verse right here, that stuck out to me. Because the word that I spoke that could have had impact, that could have been powerful, that could have actually changed the situation, it was reduced because I didn't have love. Verse 2, or the next verse, excuse me. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. Now, this could apply to you. This could apply to people that you see. We're not looking at people who's real gifted in, in, in prophecy and the knowledge and, uh, of the word of God, and we say, oh, man, God is all over them, but do they love? Do they love? And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. This has three different parts in it. So if I was so generous to give everything I own, a lot of people feel like they are justified by how many plates they fed uh, somewhere. Yes, that's all great. But if love is lacking, then it means nothing. If I offer my body to be burned as martyrs, I was telling the women of God, these, they're martyrs today. There are martyrs that are pointed out in the Bible that literally die for Christ. Literally. Like, we shout that over here in America, but there are people that are literally dying for Christ right now. They're being burned alive. They're watching their children being beheaded. All these things because they won't deny the name of the Lord. <laughs> and this says... After all of that, if there's no pure motive of love, then I would have gained nothing. So that means that all of that's in vain. It's in vain. It, it's gained nothing. It was of no value because love was lacking. What's love got to do with it? Love is a little bit more important than we thought, right? Next verse. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. It refuses, meaning what? It's a choice. <laughs> Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame or disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight. Everybody say no delight. No delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter. Well, I hope this is hitting your heart like it hit my heart. For it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. Why doesn't it matter that I can prophesy and I can speak in tongues? It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. 
prophecy is here now because Jesus has not come yet. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. There'll be no need for tongues when Jesus comes back. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. We could have received that best and most powerful word, but guess what? People forget that word. But love still remains beyond that. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. This is why we got to humble ourselves and understand this. It's partial. But when love's perfection arrives, what is love? Who is love? God is love. When love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. And then it seems like it flips the script. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. For I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. Why is this connected to a long train of scriptures talking about love? Because I can prophesy and I can be so knowledgeable in scripture and I can speak in the best tongues. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing more than a child. I'm nothing more than a child. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish way. How does this tie into everything that's been recently released over the house? Again, we've been getting word on loving God with everything in us. Healing and deliverance being released right before our eyes. Revival breaking out in our hearts, in our church, in our communities, in this world. We talk about all these things. That's happening now. Even our growth in loving God for himself. But none of that means nothing. If we do not have the true love of God within us. I come to talk about the love of God today. Hallelujah. And how we as the... What, is the, what does love have to do with it? Everything. Everything. If we see salvation break out in our families, guess what? We got to love. And not just loving those people. How can we love the people that we know the best? See, we, and I, always, and I always get it wrong, but we are supposed to live in what lives in us. So if the love of God lives in us, that's what I live in. As more of the love of God enters my heart, I'm conformed more to his image. In that scripture, I think it was in John or, or James when, when Jesus was saying he's going away, but I, I give you this commandment to love your brother. He had to leave. Jesus is not here physically, but his spirit resides in all of us. And the only way that the world is going to know him is through our love for Christ. One thing that came to my mind was, okay, when I came to Christ, was it because I just happened to stumble over a Bible, open the Bible up, and it just said, God loves me? And so, oh, man, I love God now. No, I witnessed the love of God through the people of God, which drew me in to be open to the word of God. And now I'm in the family of God. Amen? But it started with a believer who loved like God said to love. What does love have to do with it? If we're really going to change the world, if we're going to release revival and all of these different things, if the world is going to know who Jesus is, we have to love as he called us to love. And it begins in the house. It begins with every wall being torn down. It begins with deciding to let your guard down, even if you're hurt, and love beyond that. And I guarantee you that's where the greatest growth will take place in your spirit. Hallelujah. 
the love of God. Hallelujah. We can stand to our feet, and I just want to pray. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah. The love of God. What does love have to do with it? And remind, you know, again, this is a reminder, but hey, remind yourself of this every time you interact with somebody. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? There was another illustration that I did, and it was a simple illustration, but this, this is where I got the ripple effect from. Members were in church service during praise and worship. Lady comes up, member comes up, she's shouting and all this other stuff. Blessing the Lord with everything in her. Had to get a sheet and all. Visitor comes in while she's praising the Lord, and she comes and sits in her seat. Now, again, this is a simple example, but it was powerful. So this visitor comes in and sits in her seat. After the member is done praising and worshiping, she goes, and she sees this visitor in her seat, and she's like, well, excuse me, ma'am, but you're in my seat. And the lady's like, well, what do you, you know, I mean, I just, I didn't know you were sitting here. You're in my seat. But you can, you can sit, you know, in the next seat over there. So she gets up, and she sits behind her. Fast forward to the end of the service, and we got altar call going on. And you can hear the visitor's thoughts. Wow. I mean, this is my first time here, and that's how I'm treated? Where is the love, she said. Where is the love? Now, this is why altar call is going on. This is why the, the, after the word has gone forth, and she knows that the word is for her, but all she can think about is that interaction. This is something simple, right? But it happens all the time. And so then she gets up, and she's like, you know what? I'm not coming to this church no more. And then she says to herself, you know what? This is why I don't do church people. And then I gave the backstory of this visitor that comes in. Now, this is all made up, but I'm telling you what God gave me. And so her backstory was, you know what? She's been out of church for years. And she finally decided, you know what? I'm going to, you know what? I, I think God is really pulling me. I'm going to give my life again. I want to go to this church and really experience the love of God. And she comes in and she experiences that. Before she came, she told her family, and they're like, whatever, you know, this doesn't happen before, church hurt. And she's telling her sisters and all these people, her, her husband, her kids. And so when she gets back home, they want to hear a report. And she tells them what happened. And guess what they say? I told you. So not only did that instance affect her, but it affected her husband. It affected her children. It's going to affect her sisters. It's going to affect her coworkers. Ripple effect. What does love got to do with it? What are the consequences if we do not love? God is a generational God. But there are also generational things that we can release that are not of God if we're not careful. I just want to pray today. And I pray that this word not only hit your heart, but, but really causes everyone to kind of look within themselves even if you feel like you're in a place of, of loving there's still more there's more of God's love that we always can can grow in each and every one of us and if you feel like even if you're an apostle if I can just do an altar call because um, I really feel like this is for the house. And I want to give that just that opportunity. I just want to give that opportunity. And you don't have to feel bad about it. You know, one thing I said to the women, don't, don't ever brace yourself for the word. It's always just an opportunity that God gives us in his mercy to repent, to renew our minds, to grow into more of his image. So don't feel bad. 
But if the word hit you in a way where, hey, I chose not to love because I was hurt. I've been guarded. I put up walls. I thought about leaving. <laughs> if that's you, you can come on up and, and, and we'll just pray. You want to be extending the love of God and you're ready to be vulnerable again. You want to be open to the heart of God so that you can properly minister the heart of God to others, seeing beyond faults and, and seeing needs and allowing the power of the Lord to, to really be released through you. If that's you, come on up. Jesus was able to heal miraculously because of compassion that he had for people. Compassion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.